This is the BearCast, presented by Bird Culture and Ford. Bird Culture and Ford has been in Waco since 1936. Ford is the number one selling truck in Texas, 43 years running. The BearCast is also presented by WellMed Medical Management and USMD Health System Dallas. Here's Craig Smoke and Grayson Grundhafer. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome into a brand new edition of the BearCast here on 365 Sports.com. We come to you on a Tuesday, December the 13th, as uh, we just kind of let you know when we're getting this recorded because there are so many moving parts and uh, there's so many things to keep track of. So this will give us a little bit of a timestamp so you know where we're swooping in at and why we may not cover one thing or why we kind of are where we are in certain stories. But uh, it is very busy as another week is fully underway, getting into the second month of December, about to end the second month of December. And we're not too far away now from bowl action. Uh, and the Baylor Bears, of course, taking on Air Force and the Armed Forces Bowl coming up. In just about a week's time, I'm Craig Smoke, Sikkim365 uh, radio host, also uh, Sikkim365.com writer. Joined, as always, by Grayson Grunhafer, director of broadcasting, also team and recruiting reporter for Sikkim365. We got Jacob Wilson behind the scenes as well producing. And uh, I would love to start off on some big, wild, exciting note, Grayson, throwing you a little bit of a curveball here because I like for it just to be all natural. Uh, as far as responses go, but uh, let's get the bad news out of the way, and that is uh, the news this morning that legendary college football coach Mike Leach, after uh, news came down on Sunday that he was dealing with a sudden health scare and a pretty serious issue that um, you know really had a lot of people worried over the last 24 to 48 hours, uh, pretty dire and kind of ominous. Uh, sort of messaging coming from people who had apparently talked to the family and whatnot over the last day or so and uh, wake up this morning on this Tuesday to, to find out he has, in fact, passed away. Uh, Mike Leach uh, passing away after uh, the health issue over the weekend. Uh, a guy who you can't write a story about the history of the Big 12 without mentioning him, like without his own chapter, if not multiple chapters, not only because of what he did at Texas Tech, uh, but the influence that he's had on, I mean, dozens of head, co- you know, dozens of head coaches, assistant coaches, players. Uh, you look at any level of football, especially in the state of Texas, and you see traits of, you know, Mike Leach in offenses everywhere. Um, and Dave Aranda, a guy, you know, just starting there. Uh, you look like who all's chiming in? Lincoln Riley. You got Brent Venables. You know, a lot of former OU guys. Uh, but. I mean, look anywhere, and there's a Mike Leach influence. Of course, was the head coach at Mississippi State uh, up until his uh, unfortunate passing. Uh, but just want to say rest in peace to the Pirate, man. One of a kind and just really sad, awful news. But uh, news that has kind of rallied the college football world together, I think, in so many ways and uh, led to a lot of people sharing their favorite stories, their favorite video clips from his wonky interviews and press conferences all the way to you know moments like Crabtree beating Texas and – uh, all points in between, but uh, man, one of a kind, and uh, sad to say that he's no longer with us. Yeah, really sad and scary moment when they mentioned it. Um, I know I've listened to some podcasts, and they talked about th- this. Of course, was before he passed away, but talked about how um, I guess people have been reporting that was just a sudden heart attack, and that he wasn't attended to for ten to fifteen minutes, and. Mm. Um, just crazy, crazy things, and he got airlifted to the airport. I mean, just. Just tough, tough to see in a guy that, you know, for me, 
you know, growing up, I was pretty much, I was young when I got to see all of Mike Leach, you know, during the early part of his career at Texas Tech and during that run when Tech was really, really good. And, you know, Tech's putting up all these points and it's just this fun brand of football, this air raid brand that he brought in that just became such a trend in college football. And so that obviously that part of his story is really crazy, but I'll also talk about the fact that he was one of the most entertaining guys to listen to. Um, anytime he gave a post-game press conference, anytime he was interviewed, it just was, there was this certain level of charisma about him and just this simple, I don't care what anyone else thinks of me, I'm going to tell you the honest truth. And I think I like that. You know what I mean? I like when you are genuine and to who you are and when you talk about the things that are important to you and talk about what you actually believe, um, that's special. And so, yeah, he's going to be very missed in the college football world and is a guy that I, I had a lot of respect for, to be honest, even though I know there are things about him that some people maybe don't agree with or don't like. But in general, he he was himself, and I can respect that. Yeah, I mean, he definitely could ruffle feathers, uh, you know, oh, yeah. from time to time because when you're that genuine and just yourself, you know, you're bound to do that at some point because he was just so open and did not hold back. But, uh, I mean – I think even those people whose feathers he ruffled are still, you know, very saddened today because that's just that was part of his personality and kind of part of who he was. But man, there's so many funny moments and incredible football moments, and I mean, you just take a look at um, just some of his coaching tree and Dave Aranda, Sonny Cumbie, uh, Sonny Dykes, Neil Brown. I mean, there's three Big Twelve head coaches right there, uh, right out of the gates. Uh, Josh Heupel at Tennessee, doing pretty well for himself. Dana Holgerson, about to be a Big Twelve head coach. Cliff Kingsbury is an NFL head coach. Seth Luttrell just got fired as UNT head coach. Lincoln Riley's at USC. And dude, I could keep going and going and going, um, but I don't need to because I mean that just kind of tells you right there just that, that short burst of names. Um, just kind of the influence that he's had in college football and on today's game and certainly, uh, you know, will for a long time uh, still have a lasting impact on offenses and, and subsequently defenses because they had to learn how to respond to his air raid, his version, what he learned from Hal Mummy and so on and so forth. But uh, rest in peace to the Pirate, Mike Leach, 61 years old, very sudden passing. I did have, uh, you know, somebody did text me as kind of in the know on some things and uh, said that, you know, words started getting around and that, uh, you know, apparently he hadn't been feeling good for a little while. They kind of chalked it up to like he had pneumonia or yeah. something like that. And then, you know, obviously it turned out to be far graver than that. So just very sad news. Um, but wanted to start off with that. And I know there will be a lot of tributes uh, throughout, you know, college football world and sports world uh, to be sure. So, um, yeah, sad news. But um, elsewhere, uh, on to, to other things, other topics, and, and this is a Baylor Athletics podcast after all. Um, and speaking of college football, I think that's where a lot of people's minds are, and that's what we'll start off with here is signing days right around the corner. We've got the Armed Forces Bowl coming up uh, next week. And uh, I guess, Grayson, um, let's start off with uh, – more bad news uh, yeah. because there's been a couple of decommitments to this 2023 class that's getting ready to sign here in just a few days. And, of course, there's a lot of news and notes on the website for those uh, who care to check that out. Of course, be great time to be a part of the premium section to get a lot of the inner news and notes on what's going on with this recruiting class behind the scenes. Um, but a couple of subtractions to now discuss. And I can't remember if we at least touched on the decommitment, but I don't know if we got to – the commitment that followed, but Calvin Clements, offensive lineman, was committed to Baylor for quite a while. Last week, 
uh, decommits from the Bears and turns around and commits, not surprisingly, to the Kansas Jayhawks, which in any other year at any other time might have been like, sound the alarms, what's going on? Uh, but given what Lance Leipold's doing up there, uh, it makes a little bit more sense. And when you consider that Calvin Clements is from Lawrence, Kansas, literally hometown, uh, grew up in the backyard, uh, that makes it a little softer of a blow because, I mean, come on. It's like a, a guy growing up across the street from Baylor and, you know, not – you know, or and having the same situation, which happens often, which does actually happen too often around here. Uh, guy just won a Thorpe Award, by the way, who played uh, just down the road from Baylor, but that's another story. Uh, but yeah, uh, Calvin Clements at least has a you know a solid reasoning behind his flip to KU. Uh, your thoughts on a big loss on the offensive line and uh, his his uh, staying in the Big Twelve, I guess. Yeah, so he decommitted actually right after we recorded. Not right after, but a little bit later in the day. So we didn't quite touch on it, but these things were kind of, there were rumblings starting to happen. Um, and unfortunately, he was going to be an early enrollee, so he's going to arrive and, and be a guy that they were going to try to build their offensive line around. And I felt like he was probably one of, if not the best offense lineman in this class, probably behind Sean Tompkins as far as my rankings go. Um, but a very good one, very quality offense lineman. But the thing of it is, is when you really think about it, Baylor, yes, they want to build on their offensive line. Yes, they need offensive linemen in their room, but they really do need older guys. And so while this is a big loss, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying it's not. I'm not saying Baylor didn't want him. Baylor absolutely did want Calvin Clements. They were absolutely going to take his signing 100%. So not saying anything that Baylor didn't want him, but I am saying that with him out of the class, now they can go out and try to get a transfer out of the portal. Get an older guy who can maybe help them in the more immediate future. Maybe he won't be as good as Calvin. Who knows? But a guy that's maybe more proven at the college level, a guy that you know can plug and play. So there is a bright spot to this, uh, even though it is kind of gloomy. And the fact that he flipped to Kansas, another school inside the Big 12, that's tough. But his parents went to Kansas. He's from Lawrence, Kansas. Kansas has a lot of momentum right now. I think Probably the biggest part of his decision probably came down to the fact that Lance Leipold signed that contract extension and didn't leave. Um, and because of that, I think there's a lot of confidence that KU can continue to build on what they've already been building on, uh, and especially after this season. So, yeah, I, I think after watching KU play this year and the fact that he's staying, I think that gave Calvin a lot more um I guess a lot more interest in the fact that, hey, if I go to Kansas, I can continue to be a part of this rebuild and be a part of this program under Lance Leipold's leadership. So Calvin Clements, uh, no longer a part of the class, and he was not alone as then we'd see towards the end of the week uh, a local, we were just talking about in the backyard, local product, uh, not quite in Waco, uh, but about a half hour down the road uh, at Temple High School. Uh, T.J. Franklin, one of those uh, Baylor players from Temple, and you had what Ashton Logan, um, you know, who finished up what last year uh, was his last year, and you had Chad President at one point in time, who was a commit, eventually ended up at Tulsa. So they've dabbled over in Temple, and uh, looked like they were going to land another Wildcat. But uh, after a long commitment, and after being a very vocal member of this class, uh, Torian York announced his decommitment uh, over the weekend, and. I have not seen him officially commit, but a lot of signs pointing to Duke uh, going and joining up with Mike Elko and uh, the Blue Devils, who had a really good year under Elko uh, in his first season after you know the stint at Texas A&M. Uh, not official, but uh, that is where he's apparently leaning. And so 
uh, a loss on the defensive side of the football. Uh, main recruiter was Ron Roberts. Uh, so, you know, obviously Ron Roberts no longer here, but uh, your thoughts on Torrey and York no longer being a part of this class. Yeah, I mean, this was a guy that's been highly productive during his time at Temple, has had three straight monster years, really four straight monster years. He's just been so productive there uh, at Temple, and that makes him a tough loss, right? It's just the simple fact that you've seen him continue to be productive. A lot of people compare him to uh, Terrell Bernard uh, just because when you watch him run or you put him on a field and have him run a 40 time, it might not be the most impressive thing. But as far as him being a player, he's a very good football player. And so, again, a tough loss, a guy that they wanted in this class. They wanted him to sign at Baylor. But let's look at the bright side, right? Let's look at the fact that, okay, now they have another spot available. Another opportunity to go out, add from the transfer portal. Um, and he was going to be an early enrollee, which means they can add a <clears throat> add another uh, guy out of the transfer portal who can enroll in January, which, again, that's another big deal. So, yes, it is tough to see him go. He was a big part of the class for a long time, was a vocal leader in the class. Um, and then, of course, the simple fact that, you know, he's going to flip to Duke. It's kind of weird to lose a recruiting battle to Duke uh, for a kid from Temple, but that's just kind of where we're at right now. I know he did like Duke a lot. Um, Mike Elko, obviously a great defensive mind there. He did visit Duke as well on an official visit, um, which gave people some concerns at the time. But then you move forward and you're like, hey, it's going to be fine. But once again, much like Kansas, Duke had a very nice rebuild year and it made them much more appealing uh, to a guy that was out of the state. So yeah, tough loss. But again, Baylor now has another spot available for the transfer portal. So... Um Man, it'd be understandable if this was Scott Drew losing recruits to uh, Kansas and Duke, but yeah. uh, this is football. So uh, I guess some bright news uh, you wanted to throw in here. Uh, Texas high school playoffs are going on. I mean, I mean, it is what it is. There's recruits, there's flips, there's things like that that happen. But, like, I mean, where are we as far as the momentum of this class goes? Because, man, it's it's been kind of like a couple weeks now with the way this season wrapped up where it's just like – Somebody give some positive news, like anywhere, somewhere, anywhere. And I guess we'll get to some all Big 12, but I mean, even that's pretty light, you know, compared to to uh, last year in particular, which is understandable there'd be a drop-off. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's just, they're just kind of limping into this thing. Does it, is it, is it that actually how it is, or is that just how it feels at the moment, you think? I think, so they're 22nd in the country recruiting class-wise, but if things hold, like if this is their class, if they don't add anyone to the 2023 class, which they very much might not, um, they might just use those spots for the transfer portal, they're probably going to end up outside the top 25, um, which the expectation was this group was going to be a top 25 class for sure. I mean, I don't know that that's going to happen anymore. But on the flip side, I also think that that's probably one of those things where people are going to say, oh, wow, they didn't achieve their goal on the recruiting side either. But while that's true, I will also caution people and say, hey, but okay, if they take 22 commits in the 2023 class and then they go out and add eight transfers who can play immediately next year, I would take that trade off for sure. I would absolutely take that trade off. And I think that might be where the trade off is. For Baylor this year and I don't think going into the year they expected that but I think as the season progressed and they realized hey we need some more players we need playmakers we need guys who are going to be able to play right away so we can develop our young guys I think that probably led them to this conclusion that hey if we lose a couple guys in the 2023 class we might have to be prepared to go out and add transfers instead um, we'll see they still got time to close out this class maybe add another body or two but I think at this moment I think 
a lot of their mindset is let's hold on to the guys we got and let's look forward to the transfer portal. And that's why I say there isn't all doom and gloom because I do see a lot of opportunities in the transfer portal uh, that could end up being big-time playmakers for Baylor next year. I'll, uh, I'll remain open-minded about that. I mean, that's certainly, you know, an approach that uh, more than one school's taken. But uh, I do worry a little bit about the idea that, like, that's just going to fix things, be, you know, relying on the transfer portal because I feel like every school in the country is doing the exact same thing. So yeah. that's not like it's an unlimited fountain of, of just prospects in the For transfer sure. portal, you know. For sure, but I do think it does allow you to add guys who've actually played on a college football field, and you can actually get film from that instead of – bringing guys in who you have to develop every single one of them. Sure. And I mean, 22 commits is more than enough. There's going to be plenty of schools in the country that only take 22 commits um, or something along those lines. So I think supplementing with guys who maybe committed elsewhere and didn't get playing time, but in recruiting rankings wise, were four star type guys. I think it makes a lot of sense uh, or adding guys who again can play right away. So uh, we definitely need to talk about a few of those guys. I don't know how you want to go about it, um, but one of them did visit this weekend. Yeah, let's go ahead and do a, a roundup of, of where they are right now. Okay, so transfer portal-wise, let's start with Campbell Barrington, uh, the BYU transfer offensive lineman. We talked about him last week. He took his official visit this weekend. There's a lot of momentum for him to Baylor. I think there's a great chance here that Baylor's able to land him. Uh, UCLA is still trying to, to recruit him a little bit, but I think right now he's a guy that's been a priority for Baylor. He can come in and play left tackle or right tackle immediately. Uh, he was a freshman All-American in 2021, so he's played at a very high level uh, during his time at BYU, dealt with some injuries last year. Uh, but if he stepped on Baylor's campus this January, I, I think he'd be an immediate starter, which they absolutely need on the offensive line. I, I do see him fitting in as a tackle if he were to commit to Baylor, and right now there's good momentum there. All right, so yeah, definitely could use him. Uh, yeah. From the sounds of it, obviously, relationship with Eric Mateos and Jeff Grimes, um, going back to the BYU connection there. Yeah, um, next up, let's let's stick with the offensive line really quick. So, so based on what I'm seeing in the transfer portal, Obviously, Campbell is a big one that they're trying to land. I think they, they're going to probably try to get two more transfers. This is how I view it. I think one will absolutely be a center because uh, once they lost Jacob Gall, it kind of left them in this position where, okay, who's the next center up? Um, because Grant Miller was technically the backup center this past year uh, if Gall missed any time. And so now you're seeing there with Timothy Dawn as your starting center currently. And so he's a redshirt freshman. I don't think they want to go into the season with him as their starter. I think they'd rather allow him to wait another year, develop for another year. Um, so I think you're going to see them start to extend some offers to uh, some grad transfer centers or guys who maybe have uh, experience in the wide zone scheme but maybe only have a year or two left of college. Um, so kind of like Jacob Gall. Jacob Gall was a perfect fit. So keep an eye on that. I think center is going to be a position they address in the near future. I don't necessarily have a bunch of targets that I'm specifically honed in on, but there have been a bunch of centers that have entered the portal over the last few weeks um, that I think would fit the need that they're looking for. Um, and then I think they'll add one more, probably a guard or a tackle uh, with the other spot. But just keep an eye on it. They're definitely going to address the, uh, the offense line in a big way as they need to replace a lot of guys. And then, of course, um, there's been rumors that Micah Mascua uh, might be entering the transfer portal sooner rather than later as well. Um, so that's obviously big news, right, that that could be something to keep an eye on. I know Colt had been reporting that this week. Um, so if they do experience attrition from him, uh, that's a big loss because he was expected to be a starter this next season. Mazuka, 
Like Zuka, Bazooka. Like, yeah. yeah. It's spelled Mazkua, though. But, yeah, yeah. Mazuka. Um, and, yes, there have been rumblings all over the site. It's a good reason to be on the premium side to kind of get some of the gist of that. And wanted to flip back around to Campbell Barrington. He got recruited by Grimes and Mateos, yes. but never actually played for them because they would have he would have signed the year they left for Baylor. Right. But there is, like, the seeds that were planted. And he took his trip as well. Yeah, and took his trip. So they got that experience. But, like, as far as the timing goes, didn't actually play for those guys because they just yeah. missed each other. And by but, trip, I, the, the Mormon trip where they go for two years away from BYU is yeah. what I'm referring to. Just so the seeds were planted, like, yes. earlier than just last year. Uh, yeah, you get the point. Like, they were recruiting him, took his mission trip, and then they come to Baylor, and then now all this time later, it's why relationships are important in recruiting because yes. you never know. You might not get a guy the first time or you might take a job, but then a couple of years later, especially in the transfer portal era, it's good to have relationships and, and kind of circle back sometimes. Yeah, and his brother is a starter at BYU, probably going to be an NFL guy uh, sooner rather than later. So mm -hmm. and just another connection there as to, oh, wow, he's got the pedigree of being, you know, potentially he's in a football family is kind of what I mean by that. Um, but Clark's probably going to be in the NFL uh, after this season. But, yeah, um, good news there, right? I, yeah, I think yeah. that could be huge for them. And, again, so who? this is probably a good question just to kind of keep all our listeners in line with this, who would you rather have Campbell Barrington, who is an AP all American as a uh, freshman in 2021, who was actually in the 2018 or 2017 class. So he's 20, 23 years old or, like that, yeah. or a 19 year old Calvin Clements for next year. Yeah, I mean, you go with the older, wiser, more mature guy, you would think, yeah. Right. So while it's, again, it's a loss, but it's perspective, right? A little bit of perspective there. If they land Campbell, because if they don't, that's a big problem. They, mm -hmm. they got to figure out a way to land him. Yeah, you got to get some wins somewhere in yep. here because yep. you, you can't keep spinning things in positive direction if there's not actually any positive coming from and it. Getting yeah. an official visit means nothing no. if you don't close the deal. So, yeah, they got to figure out a way to land Campbell. Uh, and then today, actually, uh, starting tonight, I believe, uh, LSU transfer wide receiver Jack Besh, uh, he will be on his official visit to Baylor. Um, so that will start tonight and run through Thursday Another huge opportunity here. TCU's recruiting him pretty hard. Um, he's a very talented guy. He played a little bit at LSU the past two seasons, got banged up a little bit this year. Uh, but he's, again, proven that he can play at a high level uh, in the SEC. So you bring him over to Baylor, and he kind of fits the mold they're looking for in regards to good size, about 6'3", 215. Not the fastest guy, but you put him in the slot or you put him outside, he can catch the ball really well, but he also has good make-you-miss ability in the open field as far as breaking tackles. He's not the quickest, not the fastest, but he has a knack for getting yards after catch, and I think that makes him a big priority for Baylor, plus good size, plus experience, plus the recruiting pedigree of being you know, a borderline four-star guy. Um, this would be huge for Baylor. they got to get their receiving core up to a level that is more um, – top half of the Big 12 instead of very bottom of the Big 12. In order to do that, they're going to need to do it through the transfer portal. So Jack Besh is one of those guys who could do that. They have a couple other guys on their radar for wide receivers, so I would probably tell people to expect Baylor to take two wide receivers in this transfer portal class, which I think coming into the year you would have said, dang, that's a lot, right? Like for them to not necessarily replace the young guys but bring in all these older guys to – to kind of take up playing time, you might have thought, hey, that that's not a great idea, but Baylor needs it. After watching these young guys this year, they still got a ways to go. 
Um, so I'm expecting currently for them to take two transfers at the wide receiver position. There's a few other guys on the radar, but yeah, I mean that wouldn't be surprised. I mean, based on what we saw last year, when you were basically counting on like, two young guys who hadn't proven a whole lot to carry your wide receiving yeah. core. I mean, that was that was tough to watch in some cases, just how inexperienced and inconsistent things were well, in Monterey, a lot of ways. But and Monterey and Galvin or uh, Gavin Holmes when they got hurt. I mean, that's, they just yeah, couldn't do anything. Yeah that's, yeah, that's pretty much all you had. And yeah. you're waiting on Hal Presley or and uh, he showed Josh Cameron. But yeah, but, I mean, those guys aren't ready to take over games and, yeah. you know, do do the most that you need them to do just yet. Now, I mean, you need to, need to get them there quick. And, uh, yeah, maybe help stem some of that gap with uh, some older players. But, yeah, I, I don't think getting some guys out of the transfer portal at that spot's a surprise to, to anybody who watched, really. Yeah, and but two of them. Two of them. So just keep an eye on that. I think they could potentially take two of them. Uh, The other position that they're really working on right now, uh, there's a couple others, but cornerback is one they are very much looking at. Um, Texas A&M cornerback Miles Jones, he's a familiar name. Baylor recruited him really hard back when he was a high school prospect. He was at A&M for a while, just couldn't get healthy uh, towards the back half of his career there. But a really good player, really long, tall, 6'3 frame, long arms. Um, and it's pretty clear with the offers that they've put out that they're trying to get a longer, taller type prospect. Uh, they offered Southeastern Louisiana cornerback Zai Alexander as well. He's 6'3, 185. Um, he's got, what, nine interceptions the last two seasons. So he'd be another nice fit, but he's got offers from everybody. USC, Miami, Michigan State, uh, Tulane, Marshall, Houston, like a lot of really good offers for Zy Alexander. And I mentioned Miles Jones. They also talked to this week Miles Battle, another familiar name from past recruiting class. Uh, he was at Ole Miss, another long, tall cornerback, 6'3, 6'4, long arms, fast. It's clear they want a, a taller body, bigger body, more physical body on the outside uh, that they really didn't have this year at all. All right, yeah, definitely remember Miles Battle's name and kind of like we said a few minutes ago of why it's important to keep relationships because especially in the portal area, you don't know when you might be circling back to guys. So, yeah, right. Miles Battle is uh, certainly someone, if you've been following recruiting for the last four or five years, you remember pretty well during the uh, rule tenure as a guy they pursued heavily. Yeah, and they also offered uh, Wake Forest transfer Gavin Holmes, another cornerback trans. So, I mean, they, they're sending out offers at cornerback. They're really being aggressive at that position. He's about six foot 175. So, just, again, I, it's clear that cornerback is a priority, and they want at least one, but with the offers they've sent out, they, they might be trying to take two cornerbacks, to be honest, to pair with Lorando Johnson. Yeah, and we have no idea, like, who's taking advantage of an extra year. Mm-hmm. We have, I mean, we have no idea. We haven't heard anything from this football team in, like, no. since their season ended. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've heard nothing um, outside of just what we've reported on, like, transfers and, you know, things like that. But uh, as far as coaching changes or none of that has come yeah. from the Baylor side of things. So... Be nice to hear from Dave Aranda soon. Kind of get a grasp on like what's going on and where they are in terms of uh, the coaching changes and the roster and NFL decisions and and not that there's a lot of NFL decisions, but like is Al Walcott going? Mm-hmm. Like, kind of need to know that TJ next Franklin, year. T.J. Franklin is he going? I mean, some guys we already know. Like, I mean, Apu Ika's out the door. Um, I mean, he's basically all but accepted a Senior Bowl invitation right. on based on what I've seen. So. Uh, that one, you know, you kind of go ahead and 
put in Sharpie. Uh, but there are other guys that, yeah, could in theory come back and guys who make a massive difference in what they're potentially looking for. Mm-hmm. So uh, that makes me wonder a little bit about Walcott. But even with Walcott, they probably need a couple corners because I don't know, you know, not that he's just a pure corner, but just in terms of their secondary, there's plenty of questions yeah, back there. And a couple things to remember just to keep in mind, Lorando Johnson was playing safety last year until um, – I believe it was the spring he made the flip to corner. Actually, it was the fall, right? Him and Al Walcott swapped. Yep. Yeah, so, I mean, he could move back to safety. He could. Mm-hmm. Although, what we saw this year, he was their best cornerback by a lot. Um, but if you brought in two transfers, then maybe you decide, hey, maybe we'll play him at safety. Who knows what's going to happen with Al Walcott? Um, and then you try to fill in the other position next to Devin Lemire. And then you kind of have filled in uh, your defensive back's uh, position, but I, you know, it's hard to judge that right now. It's hard to just assume that, especially when Loranda was your best cornerback this year. But hey, the year before, Al Walcott was their best cornerback, and they moved him to safety. So who knows what's going to happen? But it's clear, cornerback is a priority uh, for this staff uh, to close out this kind of transfer portal period. They're also looking at nose tackle, defensive line type things as well. Um, so keep an eye on that. Uh, absolutely looking for those positions, and then they're also looking at running back. Um, which shouldn't shock people uh, because Squirrel Williams walked on senior day. Uh, Tay McWilliams, you know, he's been cleared, but what's going to happen? You know, what's going to happen? One hit took him out for an entire season. Um, the entire freaking season. Entire season, yeah. And then you got Richard Reese, who's still a young guy. Uh, Quaylen Jones, who had a good year, but how consistent is that going to be? Uh, I just think running back might be a position that they end up addressing um, before the transfer portal's over. All right, so uh, basically they need everything um, based on what we've said here. Uh, Anything else out of the portal? Because we do have some other things to get to here. But, uh, I mean, that's that's all good info. But, I mean, that's – I think that's pretty much a recap of kind of where we're at. Uh, I would – you know, you also probably got to keep an eye on quarterback just because of Kyron gone, you know. Yeah, might have to dabble. Hopefully they find someone like Luke Anthony. Though. Literally everything but tight end on offense and um, on defense, everything. Yeah, basically. I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't think they need to take a linebacker, but. Okay, or, okay, so no but, tight ends or linebackers, but every single other yeah, position they could use somebody in the portal. You got that? It's, yeah. Is this it's a rebuild? Not, it's not a rebuild, but it's not a rebuild, but I do think it's a situation where they need to get older. They need to get older. Baylor's best teams have been old, and they've hit on the odd year. That's the key, right? It is the odd year. You got to be old, and if you're old enough, you can turn right around and win another Big Twelve championship. And it's it's factual, right? Now we'll see how the schedule lines up next year if they continue to stay true to the nine game, five and five home games, four road games, and Baylor since they had four home games this year, they get five next year. If that stays true, then Baylor should be. Should be in a good position, but they got to get older, and I, I think that's their goal. All right, uh, let's get some other because there's a lot of other things yeah. that are going on. Um, but yeah, I mean that's all. Appreciate the info. That's all good stuff, and a lot of that discussion over on the boards, and you know, like that's going to be a constant, you know, portal discussion and roster discussion. And uh, if you want to get your fill of that, sign up over on the premium section of Sikkim365.com, and we'll have some of it here on the podcast as well. But I mean that's like that's like 25 minutes of needs in the portal, and yeah. that's what I that's what I'm saying when I go like, okay, like it's great that you think you're going to go on the portal and get a receiver, but. So is everybody else. And, you know, in theory, like, what are you going to bring 12 guys in? I right. mean, I mean, what are we doing here? So they they definitely have some 
some things to figure out as far as not just getting the roster right for right now, but like they need to have it set up to where I know the portal is everything sort of unstable at all times, but there is a really bad mix of like cohesion on the roster as mm-hmm. far as like the ages and the positions and the way that yeah. they kind of are, are meshing here. Like the departure of last year's class, when you had all those big time veterans that have been around a while, you knew there was going to be a fall off, but like it's spread to where the transfers combined with the graduates, it's like it's left it so in flux that there's just it's not balanced yeah. in, in the proper way, you know? Where last year you lose like your whole defense, and then this year you're going to lose, and you also lost all your offensive weapons, and then this year you're going to lose some some other key playmakers like Apu and. Ben Sims and whole offensive line, maybe your whole defensive line. Again, we don't know because we haven't heard a peep from that side of things since the season ended. And with the bowl prep, then, you know, there's that chance that we don't hear anything till after the game. Um, But yeah, man, like they've, they've got to figure some things out for sure. So I'm kind of okay that it's been quiet because hopefully that means that they are just hard at work behind the scenes and, you know, getting ready to fight some portal battles and win some recruiting battles in, in the high school ranks uh, but yeah, man, it's a it's a lot to try and and sort out. That's for sure. We got eight days till signing day, <laughs> and Baylor has a lot of ground to make up here. And they also gotta gotta hold on to their own. Yeah, they gotta hold on to their own as this class ends. They gotta figure out a way to to hold on to these commitments right before signing day. You got eight days. Just gotta hold on and then uh, make waves in the portal. That's going to be a, a main focus. All right, let's get to some other stuff okay. here. Cause there's a lot of other stuff. Uh, I'm just going to rip through here. Ron Roberts officially gone to Auburn, uh, took yeah. that job as DC and Philip Montgomery, former Baylor OC. So, uh, two different eras of bears football, but, uh, joining together under Hugh freeze. And Grayson um, McCall might be coming in. That's the rumor. The quarterback from coastal. That'd be a great pickup for yeah. them. Um, and Philip Montgomery, I'm sure would have a lot of fun with, uh, with Grayson McCall, uh, and, you know, and now being back to just an offensive coordinator after the, the tenure at Tulsa, uh, Kyron drones, Virginia tech. Uh, he made that official after entering the portal a few days back, but, uh, the former Baylor backup now a Hokie and playing in the ACC. So yeah. good for him. And they were, terrible this last year they were and uh i think that's a coach kind of like the gary bohannon situation where you know good luck to kyron but might want to watch that one because i don't know how stable that that is but uh, i hope he does well i hope he does well yeah absolutely but just following up there he's going to virginia tech so there's some of the departures um meanwhile had ap all big 12 awards that came out and there wasn't a, a ton to discuss here uh, just five Bears honored. Connor Galvin and Siaki Ika, first team, all Big 12. Uh, linebacker Dylan Doyle, uh, Grant Miller on the offensive line, and then Al Walcott, defensive back, uh, second team honorees for the Bears. And those were your your guys, uh, I think those five. In, I think going into the year, those first two, um, good for them. Like, they kind of lived up to, to the hype um that they had going into the year i know some people would say they could have been even better they absolutely could have but first team all big 12 that's a great honor and connor and uh, apu had great seasons and great careers at baylor so really happy for them dylan doyle great also to see him grant miller who i feel like was kind of lost in the shuffle as far as guys that we would talk about all the time i felt like we'd give you know more props to cleo keith or connor galvin or uh jacob gall and we wouldn't talk about grant as much but grant really did make a a very nice impact here at baylor after transferring from vandy and then good to see al walcott on this team he had kind of up and down year 
Um, but I guess his flashes that he showed were enough to get him on uh, the All-Big 12 second team. Yeah, Apu's pretty much going to carry their NFL talk this season. Unlike last year when you had a bevy of guys, uh, it's pretty much just going to be Apu. Like, Galvin's going to probably be picked, but it won't be till late. Uh, Walcott just depends on if he comes out and sort of, you know, where he is in the shuffle of things. I um, think Keith is going to be one Keith, to keep an eye on. But, I mean, there's, it's just not going to be like it was last no. year when you were looking at, like, borderline first-rounders and, you know, a couple guys in the first couple rounds and things like that. Um, it's not going to be quite to that extent. Apu could be a first-rounder when all is said and done, but then you might be waiting, like, a really long time after he gets picked to hear the second guy get yeah, picked. I it's, think Keith could get up to, like, third, but that's probably about as yeah. high as I would go. And then also, you know, I think he's staying, but Gabe Hall would be another one that could go in the top three rounds as well. But I think... Yeah. Based on what I've heard, I think he's probably going to stay, though. I think he'll probably be well-served to do that um, because he's definitely shown he's capable of being, uh, you know, a a force, but not consistently enough to be super reliable for the NFL folks out there. But the talent is – he's dripping with it for sure. But, uh, yeah, uh, so those are your AP All-Big 12 selections. And – yeah, I mean, that's basically what we've got. I guess uh, high school ranks, Bryson Washington, you wanted to make note of the Baylor running back commit. Yeah, I felt like it was it's cool, again, to see kind of what he's done for that Franklin uh, high school football team. They're going to be playing in the state championship for a third straight year. Uh, they're taking on Brock, who Brock's a cool story as well. They started 0-4 this season. Now they're 11-4. and So uh, it's going to be a battle. Franklin's 15-0. This season, their last loss was in the state championship two years ago to Canadian. They have not lost a game since. So they're on a huge winning streak right now. Uh, Washington's up to 2,040 yards and 30 touchdowns on the ground this season. He's been an absolute monster. Uh, So I'm excited for this one. I think they're going to win this one. I think he's going to win a second straight state championship. Uh, It was so close to winning three in a row. But I I do think they're going to be Brock this weekend. But I felt like it was a big... Thing to note, right? He's in a state championship game. He gets another opportunity to complete what has been a historic high school career and is a guy that I'm really excited about to come to Baylor. He fits the wide zone scheme extremely well, um, and I, I think he might be one of the best running backs, if not the best running back in the entire state of Texas for the 2023 class. Well, uh, like pretty much every position, as we pointed out, uh, they could also use help at running back. Yeah. So um, if he's coming in ready to play, uh, I don't think that they will shy away from you know, using him as much as possible. Uh, we saw Richard Reese just come in and play a ton and get all freshman honors. Yeah, so and he's an early enrollee as well, which yeah. is a big deal. So yeah, good for him and uh, somebody to keep track of certainly. And he'll be here in Waco in just a couple of months. So uh, good luck to Bryson uh, Washington. Uh, also on the basketball side of things, great that Brittany Griner's back on American soil after the whole ordeal uh, with Russia and um, her imprisonment on weed charges and regardless of everybody's politics and all that junk in the air and what welcome home Brittany uh welcome back home to America uh and you know I'll just leave that there because I know we get into the whole who they swapped and all I I don't care about any of that and this is not the place or the platform that we care to discuss even any of that I'm just glad a fellow American's home uh so welcome home Brittany and I say that to lead into the fact that you had the lady bears excuse me the Baylor women she was a lady bear Brittany Griner but uh the Baylor women uh just uh the one matchup last week uh, excuse me, two matchups last week. Uh, the win over, now I guess that was technically just one because they played on a Sunday, and then they had the Wednesday game against UT Arlington uh, where they got the win, uh, 91-36, blowing out uh, UTA on the men's side of things. 
Uh, and I would imagine, too, bringing up Brittany, that uh, Nikki Collin definitely has made it a point to kind of keep that relationship going. And, and I would imagine we'll we'll see something in the works, you know, uh, with, with Brittany being around in some form or fashion, I would think, in, in the future. Uh, how distant, who knows. But I just believe that will probably happen. It seems like Collin's very open-armed when it mm-hmm. comes to, to that. But um, you got the Baylor women who had the one game last week, and they will turn around and play uh, Tennessee State on Thursday uh, at the Farrell Center, and then Arizona uh, in the Pac-12 Coast-to-Coast Challenge on Sunday at the American Airlines Center. And remember, that's a doubleheader at the American Airlines Center. You got the Texas men and women on the first half of a quadruple header, mm-hmm. um, but it'll be the Texas men and women, and then in the other half, it'll be the Baylor men and women. So uh, you'll have the Baylor women getting things kicked off uh, on Sunday at the American Airlines Center uh, against number 20, Arizona. And then you will have the Baylor men uh, following that game up with uh, their opponent, Washington State, um, at 9 o'clock, that tip-off time for the Pac-12 Coast-to-Coast Challenge. So for those with the quadruple header, that'd be a long day of basketball uh, at the AAC. But the Baylor men last week, just the one game themselves, uh, getting the 80-57 to win over Tarleton. So, yeah, got the, the Pac-12 Coast-to-Coast Challenges. Lady Bears a little matchup right before that, uh, as I mentioned, on Thursday. But should be an eventful Sunday in Dallas for Baylor Hoops fans that will be going to check out that event. And uh, your thoughts just on kind of the grab bag of things I just mentioned here with the with the hoops teams. Yeah, I mean, uh, the Baylor women's basketball game is much more intriguing. Arizona being a ranked team, that should be a really nice matchup. And I think it's one that's really important um, for them as well because so far this year, yeah, they're 7-2. and two, That looks great. But in their uh, ranked games, they're just 1-2. and two. Um, Their losses to Michigan and Maryland stand out, but they've been close losses. So I think they need to get this win, send them into conference play with a lot of momentum uh, because they should be able to win the other two against Tennessee State and Long Beach State. And as far as the men go, I mean, it's an absolute must win. They should Mm -hmm. not lose to Washington State. Washington State's four and five this year. They just lost to UNLV. Uh, They're 0-2 already in conference play with a double-digit loss to Oregon and then overtime loss to Utah. So Baylor, the the men should be able to win their game fairly easily, but I'm expecting both uh, to come away from Dallas with uh, a win. Yeah, that would be nice, and uh, I don't think that should be unexpected in any way, shape, or form. So, again, uh, if you're up in the Dallas area and want to catch some hoops, there'll be plenty of it on Sunday at the American Airlines Center. And uh, that second half of the schedule, uh, both the Baylor men and women uh, back-to-back with Pac-12 coast-to-coast challenge opponents. So that'll be a lot of fun. And uh, I guess, Grayson, any other notes? I mean, there's been a lot to try to kind of squeeze in here um, from the transfer portal to roster reconstruction to – Coaching and player changes, um, at least as far as out the door, the in the door, we're still waiting to hear on DC safeties coach, yeah. special teams coordinator, players <laughs> that could yeah. be coming in via the portal rather than leaving. And and I don't mean to make it all sound negative. It's just like it's been kind of a rough run, man. It really has. Um, and I know there's some good news in store, but because we're not out covering practices or we don't have press conferences, we just kind of have to go off what we see and um, I'll be glad to see this team hopefully go get a win here in a few days they could yeah. certainly use it uh, and they just need some I, momentum yeah they need just to some win kind signing of, day as well some they, kind of momentum yeah. would be good momentum is what's needed here and yeah I mean it's been kind of doom and gloom right the podcast has been but I will say you know with the transfer portal that can change really quickly and you can get some guys that can make immediate impacts and one thing that 
you know, for sure, Dave Rand has also done really well during his time at Baylor is evaluate transfers for the most part. Uh, he's gotten some really, really good ones to come to Baylor that have been extremely impactful. So that's good, right? And as far as other notes, I mean, that that's pretty much it. We pretty much covered all our bases. The recruiting yeah. side is the, the biggest side right now, which is pretty crazy because they have a game coming up in nine days. Mm-hmm. But. Yeah, um, which we'll preview on next week's episode, the the Air Force contest and the Armed Forces Bowl. Uh, but that will wrap the season officially, mm-hmm. uh, the pre-Christmas bowl game. And then, yeah, signing day and all that kind of squeezed together on the calendar. So it's a lot of news to also try and, and squeeze in as well. But I think we covered all the bases as far as who's in, who's out, who's on the fence, who's, you know um, – in the mix, I mean, however you want to phrase it, there's just a lot of moving pieces, and that's the way college football is designed these days. They are by far not the only team dealing with these types of things, and it could be, um, you know, some good news any second now. It could be some more uh, departures. I mean, that's to be expected as well. Uh, we kind of knew that going into the offseason, so just, you know, uh, see where see where the wind takes us. But, man, getting a win next week against Air Force would – That'd be really nice. It would. That'd be yeah. really nice for this football program. Um, meanwhile, mentioned basketball, what they've got coming up. Um, and, you know, you talk about could be worse. Uh, it could be what's going on down in Austin right now with, yeah. uh, you know, Chris Beard and, and that story dropping um, yesterday. A wild, wild story out of the ATX and uh, Texas just eking out a win over Rice uh, last night. But that is certainly a, a story to monitor and have massive ramifications on the Big 12 picture. Uh, with Texas being, what, number two in the country before losing last week. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, the top ten horns now. um, We'll see what happens with their head coach and Chris Beard. So, man, a lot going on. A lot going on. Uh, Let's get to the mailbag, shall we? Uh, Stat boy, sorry if I missed the explanation. Why did neither Adam Flagler nor LJ Cryer play against Tarleton State? I assume they both had minor injuries and just wanted to be safe. Thanks. Well, one was sick and one was hurt, right? Right. So, yeah, Flagler was dealing with uh, the flu. That hit the basketball team last, uh, I guess, the last few weeks, as Ashley mentioned in the fro. Uh, the fro has a couple answers to a few of these questions in here, so be sure to check that out. As I only post the questions on the premium side, so it would have answered it. But yeah, that and then Cryer dealt with a little bit of back pain. I don't expect it to be a huge deal um, based on everything that's been reported by Ashley. I think this is one of those things where they were playing Tarleton State, and so they were precau- these were precautions, uh, and I think both will probably be back for the game against Washington State. Midwest, Matt Ashley mentioned something about a five-star center. Men's basketball is pursuing, has a good chance of landing. Can you tell us more about him? Yeah, also in the fro this week, I actually posted a note about prolific prep five-star center, Eves Missy. Uh, he's taking an official visit to Baylor and Stanford. He actually was on his official visit this weekend to Texas, um, and those were the thought to be his top three. I will say a lot of people are saying, oh, maybe Texas can flip him this week and woo him to get him to go to Texas. And now after the news of Chris Beard, I think this pro- it's probably all trending towards Baylor's direction at this point. Uh, oh, he's I a hope top, so. Yeah, he's a top 20 prospect in the 2024 class, and he's got a decision date coming up in the next month is basically where he's at. Uh, and that date could move up even sooner, especially with the news that's going on uh, at Texas. So, yeah, really good player. He's about 6'11", long. He's got offers from pretty much everyone. Like, he's a five-star. He's a big-time player that Baylor's been trying to land and add to that 2024 class. Baylor finally getting their paybacks for Cam Martin – or not Cam Martin, but uh, J.P. Urquidez and Patrick Hudson yeah. and uh, 
Devin Duvernay and Donovan Duvernay, and was that I, all? Was yeah, that all that they took? I take that trade off because those guys. Oh, didn't I would really t- do much. N- not a single Duvernay. one other than Devin Duvernay yeah. did a, did a thing. I don't think, but yeah. Um, Scotty B, the Baylor King. How crucial, in your opinion, is it for Baylor football to win first and second down defensively against Air Force? To force them to throw, I do realize Air Force will go for it on fourth down, some depending on distance to get a first down. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's massive, right? I mean, because, yeah, they will go for it on fourth down. They're going to try to run right at Baylor, and I need to see a Baylor team that's actually hungry for a win and that actually wants to win up front. Because the last quarter we saw them play was against Texas, in which Texas was just turning around and handing the ball off for, like, 25 straight plays. That was just tough to watch. So, yeah, they, they need to have a physical mindset. Win first and second down. Force Air Force to be in third and six type situations. And that's gonna, that would be great for this Baylor team and should give them an excellent chance to win that game. It's basically the whole game plan, Scotty. I mean, that's how you're going to beat Air Force is, I mean, to, to make them throw the football, of which even if it's third and 20, they'll still run the football thinking yeah. that they will get a first down. Um I mean, they don't throw a lot at all, um, and so yeah. I mean, it's the, I think the whole game's entirely dependent on the run defense, and then what the offense can muster with their limited number of possessions. I mean, that's that's pretty much the game, right? Yeah. I mean, they're going to get probably, I don't know what the the exact total will be. It'll be in the write ups from Sam and, and company, but like Baylor will get like six or seven possessions, and they better cash in on like at least half of them and get a bunch of stops on defense. Uh, mm-hmm. But or force field goals and whatnot. Um, but yeah, it's gonna be gonna be tough if you can't stop the run. It's gonna be a really bad day. So yeah, that's a, that's crucial. Uh, which Baylor women's basketball player off the bench do you think will step up most unexpectedly on Sunday against number twenty Arizona? My guess is Jana Van Geitenbeek because I believe she will continue to have confidence in her ability after the UT Arlington game. Anyways, everyone pray for the friends and family of Mike Leach because Mike has passed away. Yes, uh, Scotty, we mentioned that at the beginning of the podcast, but uh, your thoughts on Jana Van Geitenbeek, who, who did have a big game the other night, her best as a Bear uh, so far since her transfer. Yeah, six for six from the floor, three for three from three. So, yeah, I mean, she'd be a nice nice pick. She had 15 points, four assists, but I'm going to go with Bella. Bella Fonteroy, um, she had 10 points and five rebounds in that game. She's been playing a, a lot more uh, minutes, and I, I think that she could come in and have a very nice impact against Arizona. So I'll go with her this week. Bear in the big greenhouse, any rumblings about who's staying versus declaring for the NFL draft? If not, when do you expect to hear on the topic? Thanks. Um, no words, kind of like we were saying, like as I was commenting, like we haven't heard anything from this program in like two weeks. Uh, I mean – other than a press release about guys making AP All Big 12, but like they've said nothing about the coaching changes um, and certainly nothing about the roster just yet. But I would expect that those will come after the bowl game. So we don't have much longer to wait. Um, I would definitely consider Apu out the door. Um, would not get my hopes up there at all. And I don't know if he's officially accepted a senior bowl invite, but I'm pretty sure he's headed to the senior bowl, yeah. like I said earlier. Beyond that, I have no idea. Um, I mean, I think you're waiting on decisions from like Squirrel. Yeah, and, and you're definitely waiting on decisions, but it probably yeah. after the bowl game. Yeah, and I, I think a lot of, like, for instance, TJ Franklin and Gabe Hall, I as of right now, I think both are going to end up back at Baylor. Like, I think there's more for them to prove. There's more meat on the bone for them to come out, have a big year, and then possibly elevate their draft stock. Uh, Al Walcott, I think, is in that similar boat. Uh, I, I think he could use another year coming back. Squirrel walked on senior day, so, again, he's one that I'm kind of thinking is probably just going to leave. Um just because of all the injuries he's had to deal with. So those are a few, but yeah, like you said, Craig, I mean, we're not going to have official word until probably after the game or at least when we start hearing from these guys um, during practices and stuff. 
Uh, and yeah, that's kind of why it just feels like there's not a lot of momentum right now because there's not a lot of news churning. And you know, if you just simply announce a guy, that's exciting. Mm-hmm. You're just like, hey, here's our DC. Oh, great, let's learn about him. And like, yeah. there's not even that to really glom onto right now. Well, so. and I, I mentioned because we talked last week, so just to put timeline in people's minds, Jeff Grimes was the earliest hire that Dave Randa's made as far as making adjustments to the coaching staff, and he wasn't hired till January 4th. So just kind of a timeline piece there. All the other guys were hired, have been hired even later than that. Dylan Reese, 12. Is coach waiting until after the bowl game to hire a DC? Who's coaching linebackers and safeties for the bowl game? Right, so, okay, this is, I don't know this for sure, but I believe Colin D'Angelo and PJ Hall are going to be coaching those two respective positions. The reason I say that is because they've been out traveling um, and recruiting. And I believe you have to be an on-the-field assistant in order to do that. Um, don't know that for sure, but that's kind of my belief. That's how I've been kind of operating. Um, but either way, yeah, Dave Rand is basically having to be the the DC for this game, uh, I would think. And, yeah, I do think he's going to wait till after the bowl. Um, I, it could come earlier, but I just I think it's going to be after, especially because a guy that everyone thinks is a candidate is going to be coaching in a bowl. A lot of guys who are candidates are going to be coaching in bowls. And so uh, I think that's going to cause the wait, right? Because you can't hire a guy if he's going to try to coach in his own team's bowl. Right, yeah. I mean, these guys and these bowl games are going through – you know, start of January. Yeah. So there's a, a bit of a wait there as well to sort it all out. Um, but yeah, Dylan, that should be coming soon. You would think, but uh, just even if you got a guy before the bowl game, I mean, what's he going to do in a week's time right. or a couple weeks time? So yeah, he's probably coaching somebody else right now and you wait that out and then make some first of the year type of announcements or, you know, end of the year type of announcements. All right, uh, Bearsack with a few questions here. Who's the best recruiter on our defensive staff? Aranda isn't dynamic, and apparently the XDC wasn't great at it either. I had lofty expectations after the Aranda hire. We would attract big-time defensive recruits, Grant Delpit-type secondary players. Did I overrate that belief? I mean, Grant Delpit was like, what, a top-10 player? In the yeah, country. he's like a five-star like surefire guy. I think that was kind of unreasonable expectations. In my eyes. I mean, like, Baylor getting four-star guys and developing them, that's how you're going to create those those awesome prospects. And so... Um, in the NIL era, I think... I mean, I think if this was the non-NIL era, you have much better, better of a chance fans. to land a Grant Delpit. I think in the NIL era, getting a five-star at Baylor, you better right. really be doing some serious stuff. But on the flip side, like, we can say, oh, I was hoping for them to do this. Okay, well, Apu was like a 92-ranked yeah. four-star guy. And yeah, they got him out of the portal, but that still counts in Josh my White, Josh we'll White. see high four-star guy. So he is doing some of these things. I just think it's under the radar because people want it to be like recruiting rankings. We're number 10 in the country. That's an unreasonable expectation. But as far as who the best, uh, so first of all, Aranda is a good recruiter. Aranda absolutely is. When they get guys on campus, defensive guys love talking to Dave Aranda. They love his mind. They love what he's put on the field. They love what he's accomplished, getting guys to the NFL. Um, So he is a good recruiter. I think that's a uh, saying isn't dynamic. I mean, his personality is not the most dynamic, but he, he's pretty good on the recruiting trail. Um, as far as the the defensive staff goes, I, I think I'd probably go with Dennis Johnson as their best uh, recruiting guy. Uh, he's their defensive line coach. I'd probably go with him, but Caleb Collins, Kevin Curtis, they're good recruiting guys. I think whoever they hire uh, to either coach you know, their DC, the focus might not be recruiting, but I think their other coach, whether it's linebacker or safety, their focus there will probably be a guy who can go out and recruit pretty well. How important to the future success and momentum of our program is DC and secondary coaching hires? We seem to have so much momentum at the end of last year. Is it Aranda's most important hire yet? 
No, the Jeff Grimes one was because I know their defense was bad. They were like 61st in the country, but that offense in 2020 was one of the most inept offenses I've ever seen. Like, like if they rolled that out again in 2021, they would have been just as terrible. Like, they could not sustain anything with that offense. And so, no, the Grimes one was the most important, especially because Dave Rand is such a, a master on the defensive side. I While I think this hire is very important, I know he definitely gives major responsibilities to his coaches. I just think him making big hires on the offensive side is just always pretty much going to be more important. What's your percentage on chances of retaining Trey Wilson? Yeah, I mean, he took an official visit to TCU. Um, So, I mean, that tells you that there's interest there. Um, I think right now I'm going to stick with Trey sticking with Baylor, but I, I don't have, I would consider it 50, 50 right now. Good Lord, man. This freaking recruiting class, uh, yeah. with today's transfer portal options, is it less painful to lose a few coveted recruits? Do you feel like you can land just as good a player as the recruits that have flipped today's? Yeah. Yeah, it is. I mean, we've seen that with Dave Randy. He's been able to find guys in the transfer portal. Um, so, yeah, it does. And also, these things come back around, right? You just keep recruiting these guys, and then if they decide to enter the transfer portal, you have a relationship with them. And that's kind of what Dave Randa was able to do with Apu and Josh White. Um, and so it worked out really well in that regard. So, yeah, it, it absolutely does. And it's a reason why I'm saying don't panic yet. If they hit on some of these transfer portal guys, it won't necessarily matter as much who they have in the 2023 class. Uh, thank you, Bearsack. He says, as always, thank you guys for the podcast. You do a fantastic job. Appreciate it. Wish I had, you know, more positive news. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, it's kind of just white-knuckling time till signing day and just trying to get these guys signed and then, you know, reacting to whatever that looks like. But, I mean, throw Trey Wilson in there as another name, and you're just like, well, hopefully they land him and yeah. stick with it. And be, but, I mean, those are starting to kind of grow in this, numbers here over the last week yeah this weekend's important because it's pretty much the last chance to take official visits so if guys start taking officials over the weekend that's when you're gonna have to have some pause and i know trey's been interested in tcu he took unofficial visits there but um you know right now i'd say 50 50 but stay tuned to the website i'm sure i'll have some some news and nuggets uh hopefully before he ends up making his official decision McLennan Bear 18, how do you think the staff manages number of offers given out to guys in the portal in relation to the current roster size? Do they send out offers strictly based on how many of our players are already in the portal, or is it based on a projection of how many they think will enter the portal? It's a projection, um, but most times the coaches know kind of what what they have and what who they probably will lose or who they might lose. Um, but, yeah, it, it's a projection, not strict. Um, now – they don't accept commitments if they don't have room though if that does that make sense so like if if they send out these offers and then two of them commit and they don't have room for a third and the guy tries to commit obviously they can't too, accept too late it, <laughs> yeah right, too little too late until someone leaves that's why some guy like they hey man you better commit now and yeah. you know sometimes that's bogus and coaches lie and they say that to get a guy to commit but this staff's not doing that it's like no really you have a spot for right now and right. if you wait then it might not be there soon yeah or you and, got Deion sanders telling guys who committed to the program that they no longer have an offer yeah or there's so. there's that situation um yeah, uh, Golden Green with drones officially out of the picture, which that is one thing notable is the thoughts that maybe he comes back if it doesn't yeah. work out in the portal, but obviously it worked out quickly and well for him. He's going to Virginia Tech. Uh, do you think the staff will bring in somebody else to compete for the job or go for a Luke Anthony type? Yeah. I mean, they got to have another scholarship guy. Uh, I mean, they've just got Blake Shapin right now. And well, in Austin. 
Yeah, no, but I mean, I want to see his feet on campus before I start counting him exactly. But I mean, yeah, yeah I mean, even if they bring in Novasad, I mean, that changes things. So let's say, yeah. But, but even if they bring him in, I, I think they're going to need to get like a Luke Anthony type. Yeah. Like you're going to need someone who at least can provide depth um, in case injury happens, which for Baylor has happened often at the quarterback position. So uh, every year for like seven straight right. years, basically. And Shapin was relatively healthy this year, but the one game he got knocked out, they lost. So it's important. It's to the important worst team in the entire conference. Right. And arguably, no, Iowa State was the worst team, but yeah. West Virginia was right there with them. Yeah. So I, I just, I think they will have to add a body. I just don't know if they'll use a scholarship. That's going to be probably a bigger, a bigger question. Do you use, I, I think they might have to though. Like you need three scholarship quarterbacks on your roster. I would, I would think, especially because Luke Anthony won't be back. Think he's out of eligibility. Oh, dude, yeah, he's yeah. He's, he's already played like eight years at this point. Right. Yeah, he's there's no way he has any eligibility <laughs> remaining. Um, yeah, so I feel like you, you you'd love to have three scholarship guys, and I know that's hard to do, but uh, you know programs with far more competitive rooms are able to hold on to three guys. Like they've got one, yeah. they've got one right now. Um, so yeah, and they basically just played with two all year. Mm -hmm. So that's I don't know why that's why that's so true. I mean maybe because. It's not Ohio State that you can't yeah. just convince guys that the brand keeps them closer to I – I don't know. Well, they ended up with only – did they have three or did they only have two? Just Devin I mean, Brown I don't know off the top of my head, but I know they hold on to guys a lot better than Baylor does. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's just NIL stuff. I don't know. But, uh, I mean, you can't really – that's playing with fire to have two scholarship guys in any given year. Yeah. Um, so that that's also an area as you're revitalizing this roster that – it's hard to do. It's hard to convince three guys in this day and age to stay on campus, but you know you got to figure out a way to to beef up that quarterback room, man, because it is it's one Blake shaping injury away from just falling completely apart, or one Austin Novasad beating him out yeah. away from, I mean, utter utter collapse in the room, right? Because then right. you only have one. I mean, yeah, they they it looks like they're gonna have to add someone, but I don't think that person's gonna be able to win the job. I'd be surprised unless they find. Just a crazy good transfer that ends up wanting to go to Baylor, um, which I, I don't know that I see happening. Yep. So uh, Golden Green answer your question. At least a Luke Anthony type. At least uh, is what they're yeah. they're looking for. All due respect to him. Dio Delgo, what's the over under on total wins, regular se season, and conference finish for twenty twenty three? I mean, I don't even know who's on this team at this point. Yeah. <laughs> like right now, we we know like half the roster. Right. Over under. So if I were Vegas, what would I set it at? Basically, right. I'd say it's seven. Yeah, it was seven and a half this year. Well, six. Yeah, I think it's going to be. That's why I asked. Is this a rebuild? Like, I mean, for real. I think the number. I think the number because Baylor went six and six this year. I think people are going to be on the like six, six and a half. That's fair number. Um, and conference finish in the middle. Yeah, I mean, if if you're going to put six and six, then th and there's going to be a few teams that are going to be like five and a half wins, six wins, six and a half wins. I think Baylor will be somewhere in that jumble. That's what happened this year. Um, and I think that'll probably end up putting them around, yeah, around like sixth, fifth or sixth in the conference. Um, but I know the preseason uh, odds, it was like a jumbled mess of teams in that five and a half six six and a half range well it's i'll say this they're going to be behind texas tech uh where that would be more of a jumbled you know selection um you think? 
I think oh, they're yeah. going to be around Abs- this exact same number. I think they'll be behind Tech. I mean, I'm not saying it'll be like yeah. they're the top 10 team in the country, but I'm saying like if we're going on just based on what we know right now and like what's coming back and what's not, I think Tech has way more momentum right now than Baylor does for next year, like easily. Maybe. I, I just, I think odds they're not. Are, they didn't lose their defensive coordinator. and They kept their offense coordinator for now. They've got their quarterback. They got two quarterbacks coming back, including the one who was supposed to be the starter that just finally got healthy at the end of the year. Yeah. They're losing Tyree Wilson, but they've got three other defensive guys who have already announced they're coming back. Yeah, uh, I'm just saying, like momentum, mm-hmm. uh, momentum wise, dude, it's not even an argument. Like yeah, it's not even offensive arg- line's just terrible. Um, You're right, but they still finished ahead of Baylor this right. year. I guess in my head, I'm I'm just thinking. I think they're going to be they're going to be behind TCU. They're going to be behind K State. They're going to be behind Texas. They're going to be behind Texas Tech. Now they're going to probably. You know, maybe be behind Oklahoma. They will be off preseason expectations. They will be. And then Oklahoma State, I think, is like the... Without Sanders, let's see. they're going to get but the whole beyond treatment. that, they'll be in front of West Virginia and Iowa State, and then Kansas is a coin flip, too, depending on how you want to rate the momentum there. So, dude, at best, they're like six. Yeah, and that's kind of where I'm at. Like, yeah. They'll probably be projected sixth. I just think there's just a jumbled mess in there. And, and also, we don't know what kind of step back TCU might take either if they lose enough guys. I mean, that could be a while. That could be what happened to Baylor this year. Yeah, could be. Um, so, yeah, Dia de Algo, I'd say six is the over-under right now is the way that it stands. And, you know, it could definitely grow uh, depending on some moves they make this season. But as it stands right now, I think that's that's more than fair. Yeah, to, at this very moment. Yeah. Without transfers, it's just hard to know. Uh, McClendon Bear 18, do either of you have a favorite moment or quote from Mike Leach? I periodically go back and watch the video of his answer to a question about which Pac-12 mascot would win in an all-out brawl. Yeah. It makes me laugh every time. Yeah, that was a that was a good one for sure. That's a great one. I mean, the moment, sadly, uh, because I wanted Texas to win, the moment was absolutely that game with Crabtree. I mean, are you kidding me? That was one of the most crazy finishes I've ever seen. Blake Gideon drops an interception that would have ended the game. And then uh, very quickly, Graham Harrell hits Crabtree on the sideline. The future, you know, Hall of Fame type player, Earl Thomas, misses the tackle on the sideline. Crabtree goes in and scores. That was just <laughs> crazy. But he's got great quotes. But the the mascot brawl, <laughs> that's a great one. Yeah, that was a, that was a definitely a fun clip. Um, I think, yeah, I mean, my – Biggest memory is that, and then them turning the crab tree catch. Yeah. I was actually in Lubbock at the time, and remember like the pandemonium wow. um, and all that took place, and just complete craziness <laughs> erupting. Uh, but then them turning around. I think my even better memory is them turning around and having that win and being in position to go yeah. win the Big Twelve and go play for a national championship, and they go up to Norman, Oklahoma, and get absolutely dismantled uh, <laughs> by Bob Stoops and the Sooners, and I'll never forget the picture of Mike Leach and Graham Harrell on the sideline when, like, Oklahoma's just scored again, and the score is, like, completely out of control, and OU's crowd is going completely nuts, and they were doing a lot of the House of Pain jump around. Yeah. Like, that was a big song being played that night over and over and over again. And the cra- I mean, it's just another. It's just one of those nights, man. It's one of those nights where it was just not text, text night. At and uh, Oklahoma crushes them, um, knocks them from the number two spot, forces that three-way tie, which Oklahoma eventually got the, 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 nod. the nod there, and then they go get beat. Um, but yeah, that was a, that was a crazy year, a fun year in the big 12, but, 
Uh, I, I just that image of Graham and Leach on the sideline, just mouth agape, like what is like, just totally did not know how to respond to what was happening to them. But uh, I, I always remember that's burned in my brain. Yeah, um, not the best moment for him, obviously, but right. the one with Crabtree was was probably the greatest moment, I would think. Yeah, I thought the score was something like sixty something to to thirty, and I was pretty close, but it was forty two to seven at halftime. Yeah, the final score was sixty five twenty one, but it was. It was pretty much worse. Yeah, they scored 35 <laughs> points in the second quarter. Uh, it was insane. And I think that that was probably the sequence sometime in the second quarter when that, that shot on yeah. the sideline um, was taken, when they were just completely overwhelmed and did not know how to respond at that point. But, yeah, wasn't the best night, but that Texas game certainly was. So that's that's one of my shining memories as well. And uh, I do appreciate you asking the question. and appreciate everybody asking questions and – uh, there will be plenty of questions to continue getting asked uh, when it comes to this football team over the coming weeks and throughout this offseason, and we'll be here for all of it. And it's not always going to be fun news. Uh, like this week, there's a little mixture, um, but there will be some good news. We've got a D.C. to hire, got a safeties coach to hire, got some more players to reel in, and, and there will be some of that. But we've just kind of hit a little two-week stretch here where it's just been – all on kind of one side of the coin, but it'll inevitably balance out, so don't fret too much there. And it'll need to balance out, (laughs) most definitely. Um, But I think once we get this bowl game behind us, that'll be a nice just relief, and everybody can kind of sort things out beyond that. And and, and signing day, obviously. But get through next week, man, and then I think the skies start to clear up a little bit. Definitely, and be sure to stay tuned because next week uh, Craig and I are actually going to do our signing day special on Wednesday morning, so be ready for that. I'm not sure if we're going to go live. I think we are. Uh, Yeah, yeah, Jack's telling me we are going to go live. So it'll be live at 8 a.m. on Wednesday. And then I think we'll – I don't know how we're going to do the Bearcast next week, Craig. You and I got to talk about when we're going to do a preview for that Air Force game, but – um, yeah, so stay tuned for that. And of course the premium section, we got all kinds of news and nuggets. If you want to know, uh, updates on the defense coordinator search, recruiting nuggets leading up to signing day. Now is a great time, uh, to join the premium side. And then of course, 365 sports radio Monday through Friday, three to six for all your college football coverage. Yep. I do appreciate, uh, Jacob behind the scenes here, uh, helping us get this show uh, to you folks and appreciate all of you out there for listening as well. A lot to get to a lot of bases covered and a lot to talk about next week, most definitely. But again, a very big week bowl game and signing day and just let's get through that and get to it. And then, uh, again, the skies will start to clear a little bit and we'll have a much better picture of what to expect kind of moving forward beyond those things and, and the sort of momentum that Aranda and company will be carrying into the offseason officially. Uh, but one more to go, and uh, we'll see what happens, but we will preview that next week, as Grayson said. So until next time, appreciate everybody out there uh, for listening, pass along the word, and uh, if you haven't already, nice time to sign up for the premium section over on Sikkim365.com to get a better picture of the inner workings of uh, signing day prep and this recruiting class and all of the moving pieces. So until next time, for Grayson Grunhafer and uh, also Jacob Wilson, I'm Craig Smokes. It's been the Bearcast on Sikkim365.com.